0: Doing well. Uh, I've caught up on some things relevant to this week's categories. A lot of genre there in the last week. How are you, Vaughn?
1: I'm doing well. Um, we've got yeah, we've got some fun stuff to talk about this week. Kind of uh, looking at some genre stuff and kind of the aesthetics of film and how uh, film is presented and how it all looks and comes together in that way. Um, but I think I want to start now with. What have we watched since the last episode?
0: I don't think i had seen After Sun, which now feels like it'll be an awards contender in like multiple categories. Uh, and my review for that's up on the site. Um, I could see that fitting in.
1: Yeah, I've heard nothing but really good things about After Sun. I really need to uh, to get to that, but it sounds like a bit of a heavy one. So I've uh, <laughs> I've been kind of waiting, putting yeah. it off.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's heavy, all right, and it's kind of like that, and. Um, the uh, Fallout, uh, kind of just two heavy films yeah. that I have like at the near the top of my list. Uh, I don't know if everyone will go for it, but I think the people who do love them will love them a lot.
1: Yeah, it's kind um, of it's interesting because I think After Sun is an A twenty four film. I feel like they haven't been pushing it as much as they maybe should be for what seems like it's uh <laughs> might be up there in awards.
0: No, it's a fantastic movie. I feel like it's just come out as like a critic's darling, and they haven't like done any push for an audience it's very um understated what they've done i don't know how you market it exactly but uh
1: yeah it's always interesting some of these smaller i guess a20 it's weird to call a24 a smaller studio at this point but it seems but, like every but yeah image... really
0: they they don't have like money to like throw behind it like like marvel does for every film yeah right? like they don't have that budget um uh, There are like four or five very successful A24 films that really feel like they were worth the marketing budget.
1: Yeah, it seems like both kind of think kind of A24 and Neon are kind of in that same camp of they've got a few movies that they'll really put that marketing money towards. And then some other ones, even if they're even if they're of that quality, they just don't have the, the budget to really push them as well.
0: Yeah, they're almost like a Metacritic distributor. Like they're they're yeah. going for very high return on like right. a critical and audience reception and trusting their brand. Um, a lot of it's just yeah, maintaining a brand by distributing um, stuff from festival that really hits. So. Yeah, they're they're good at distributing things.
1: Well, that's one I really need to get to. What else have you uh, What else have you been watching?
0: Uh, horror stuff. Which a few horror things that I could probably get to in some of these categories. Uh, I caught up on an action movie, uh, Triple R, which you've heard of. uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah.
1: One of my favorites of the year. That's great. What did you think of it?
0: Oh, yeah. uh, Just astounding. I thought like uh, it would just be like, oh, it's all action. The dance gets in the way. Uh, One of those Indian dramas where I'm just like, oh, it's just kind of song and dance in a way that I'm kind of not engaged with but I'm like oh that's colorful and fun I'm glad they put that in there but uh no I thought that was like the central moment of action was like when they were like having a lot of fun and dancing and then that extends into the action scenes in a a choreographed way which I really enjoyed
1: yeah it's definitely something that style definitely I think feels at least from the outside feels kind of alienating from a western perspective of how are they going to blend how does how do they put like song and dance numbers into every single movie but then every time I watch movies from that country i'm like yeah this just it makes sense it's so natural to them i think that like it doesn't even doesn't even ever feel like it's out of place in any of those films
0: i got a uh, not covid but this other thing going around uh, the last week i'm pretty sure i've had that so i've uh just been kind of bunkered down watching a lot of things uh, i fit a lot in uh, i'm doing better now though so i'm well, ready that's good to, to hear pod um <laughs> down with the pod as they say <laughs> How about you? What, what have you been watching the last week?
1: Um, I've got a, kind of a mixed mixed few things that I've got here. I caught up on a couple of really good things um, and some kind of things that I'm not so hot on. Um, probably most importantly, um, saw Banshees of Inish Aaron, which is just one of my favorite films of the year. I think sitting at number two for me right now, just really, really <laughs> stunning film, um, which... We'll be on an upcoming episode of spoiling things. If uh, if anyone wants to check that out, we're gonna have Calvin on to talk about that movie. But one of our favorites of the year, I know.
0: I foresee like an end of the decade list still having that on there, um, with first cow um, and power of the dog, which is my <laughs> my trilogy of men finding compassion through it. the <laughs> commerce of their cows. Yes. Uh, that's my uh a very specific niche so if anyone makes one of those movies next year it's a shoe in for number one
1: if anyone's looking to corner the calvin market they know exactly what to do (laughs) Um, yeah
0: the cornered calvin market is compassion of men and their (laughs) uh yeah cash cows literally
1: yeah it's such a i mean it's it's a great thing I, i talked previously a little bit on the last episode when you were talking about this film of just how much i appreciate seeing films that explore like that the genuine kind of aspects of, of male friendship and i think this movie does it in a very interesting way um and obviously we'll get into it more on on a different show but yeah it's just i, I don't want to spoil things for no that show. no spoiling things yeah. here but yeah just um, just a really stunning movie it's shot so beautifully definitely going to come up in a few categories for me
0: i watched lana dunham's sharp stick which i think might be a shoe in for a certain category um best villain is uh one that we do it uh, oh, critics. i think Lena yeah. dunham is like my villain of uh, <laughs> the film industry so uh, yeah, maybe i'll make a push for her but uh, no I, I hated that movie so, oh interesting
1: uh, maybe not maybe not the villain in the movie but just your general villain and across all of films. the film industry <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> she also has Catherine called birdie which people like so i might not watch it but um uh, yeah, I didn't like Sharpstick. I, I went in thinking I wouldn't like it, and I didn't like it. No surprise here. So, I I liked Tiny Furniture okay back in the day. Uh, I thought Girls was good from what I saw of my wife watching it. So.
1: Yeah, I don't think... I think I might have seen Tiny Furniture many years ago, but it was like at a point where I just didn't really know what I was looking at for in film in general. I was just kind of watching random things on Netflix, and I don't really have yeah, much same. memory of it. So I don't know if I have a it's particular sad. take,
0: but... In the Criterion Collection.
1: That's true, it is. I think generally regarded as maybe the worst film in the Criterion Collection, so
0: I think so, but I mean I d I don't think it is. I think it, it is regarded that way. Yeah. But, um there are there are worse things in the Criterion Collection.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Um I think a couple things we both watched um in the last in the last week here. Um both watched Weird. What do you think of Weird, the Al Yankovic oh. story?
0: I thought it was charming enough i I like daniel radcliffe and uh, i like that the press cycle is like daniel radcliffe is a nice guy like that's like (laughs) what came out of the press cycle i I thought that was really nice and and affirming
1: yeah i I think i pretty much echo all of that i mean it is a charming movie and it's nice and i really like daniel radcliffe i like seeing him in just about anything but i don't think it leaves much impact outside of that i think it kind of has one joke that you figure out and about 15 minutes and then it keeps going for the whole movie and it's like this is maybe way too long but it's enjoyable there
0: enough was, i mean there were bits where i was just losing it i didn't expect to have like any um comedic reaction to it but, um like the guy going through the the fridge he's like yeah man that's my bologna it's <laughs> <And laughs> yeah. just like oh shit <laughs> uh, that that caught me pretty good uh, there are a few uh good you know small bits of comedy and they're interspersed yeah. with like the u fh at eight UHF, UHF? Yeah. Yes. That version of Weird Al's character is kind of very present in the end in that Rambo-esque uh, ending there. So Oh yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I felt like I by the end of it I was just kind of like I wish I was just listening to Weird Al, like I just wanted to listen yeah. to that music and I was kind of like I get the joke of the movie. There's not much more it's offering me and I just kind of wish I was listening to his music instead of spending an hour and 40 minutes with this very simply <laughs> built film. At the
0: same time it didn't like push me to like go Explore new avenues of Weird Al because I'm pretty familiar with yeah. Weird Al. I, the the moment I got an MP3 player, I loaded it with Weird Al <laughs> stuff. I mean, that was my first thing I did with one. When I, because once you have like that personal connection to music, you carry it around. You no longer have to like care like what you're playing for other people. Right. You don't have a disc that's visible, so. Nobody could, like, check your Weird Al disk. It's just, like, this digital information. You don't need to be ashamed to listen to parody anymore. Of course, Uh, That was the MP3 revolution. (laughs) We got really personalized in our music.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, I think maybe also part of why Weird doesn't totally work for me is, like, that sort of the making fun of very standard and generic music films has already been done so many times in films that I like a lot more. You know, Walk Hard's great. I love Popstar a lot, and it's, like maybe it just doesn't have anything too new to offer but it is charming and fun
0: i think that's just implicit in the genre too i think the movies that are serious also know that they're bending the yeah and I, I mean i think even Bo rat maybe the least self-aware that must know like inherently what it's doing so
1: I, I maybe, definitely maybe not Brian
0: singer but like dexter fletcher like coming in and cleaning it up he knew um, that the movie was, you know, right. I think he leaned into the weirdness of doing it. Once he went in and cleaned it up, and that's why it won like editing Oscars. They were like, "Yeah, Mr. Fletcher saved this shit." And uh, then he went and made Rocket Man and proved that he was actually the best at this format. So.
1: Yeah, Rocket Man's great. Well, definitely. Unfortunately, well, I think we'll end up circling back around to Bo Rap later. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but another movie we yeah. both watched, one we actually watched together, was Next Exit, which uh, we neither of us liked at all.
0: I hardly remember, well, I, I don't think there's something to remember about it, like, it, it goes true. the whole movie, kind of tr- trying to find itself, and, uh, yeah, that's just one of those that's, that's sent on from a production studio, and we're like, yeah, we'll, we'll try to fit in a few of their movies, was it yeah. Magnolia Pictures? Or, yeah, that
1: was that was Magnolia, and I was I was interested, I like that um, lead actor a lot, Rahul Kohli is an actor I like, and so I was just kind of passively interested through that, and I thought you know it'd be worthwhile to check out and i was honestly surprised at just how little was there at all i think you get more from reading the synopsis than you actually get from the movie i think if i never read the synopsis i might not understand a lot of the premise of that film it really doesn't a, give you any information and it's not better for it
0: it's a movie where you get less the more you watch yeah, yeah i that, totally agree it it undelivers as you go and uh yeah i mean it it kind of packs itself up. It doesn't unpack itself. Um, it yeah. kind of packs itself into a box that you can't open. Um, not fun.
1: Yeah, um, it's kind of a it's a good segue here, because I found that to be kind of a failure of a road movie, because they're kind of journeying pointlessly. Um, but a successful road movie that I watched was Bones and All. Saw that um, ahead of its release here, and I was just... When I was really looking forward to, I like Luca uh, Guadagnino a lot, and totally totally delivered for me i really really liked bones and all i think it's fantastic i think gonna be up it is up there in my list and it's gonna definitely show up in several categories for me i think
0: i'm a huge fan of bigger splash and call me by your name of course but uh um i I didn't quite catch on to the Suspiria thing i do like it quite a bit but i'm such a fan of the uh, original that i haven't um (laughs) i don't prefer his his version i think it's a good vehicle for tom york Music that.
1: yeah oh that definitely is that yeah i like i like his suspiria a lot i mean i definitely the the original i think is is unassailable but i appreciate that he does something so drastically different with it and i i actually yeah. do i do like it a lot i do want to revisit his suspiria um i'd like to Same. revisit several yeah. of his movies i think but yeah also really like a bigger splash a really great movie that i think is underappreciated i don't see enough people talking about a bigger splash and it's fantastic <laughs>
0: I feel like there's no momentum for Bones and All except that Chalamet's in it, so I feel like it could be successful. I can't tell what kind of push it's getting, if it it has awards potential. I can't tell about it, really.
1: I am wondering the same thing. I feel like I don't really see anybody else giving it any buzz, which is kind of unusual. I would expect it to be a movie that's being talked about more, but I think even in our critic circles i haven't seen too many people talking about bones and all are getting excited about it so maybe it's just kind of one Weird. that's that's kind of passing people by um we'll see as it kind of releases more wide here and if it uh, if there's more of a push towards the end of the year but i i think it's really fantastic i think it's a really special movie
0: is there something about the movie do you think that's kind of precluding it from like reaching those conversations
1: um, I mean I, I think as far as critic circles no, I wouldn't think so. I think in a wider sense, I do think so. I think you're right that the only real drive is is Chalamet fans, which is funny because I, I tweeted about the movie and it got more popular than most of my tweets do, but it was like looking through the people who had liked it it was like all just like Timothy Chalamet fan <laughs> accounts. <laughs> so I was like, Okay, I get the I get the audience here. I think it's we it's... should be tagging them on our content we make, honestly. <laughs> um it's interesting i it is a hard movie to sell to a wider audience because it's like this weird blend of very visceral and graphic horror and like a very typical like american road movie kind of thing i think it's i think it pulls it off (laughs) extremely well but it's like i don't know how you sell that to a wider audience like this is it too weird It might be. I know um, David Ehrlich described it as the closest thing he's seen to an American thirst, um, which is an interesting comparison, but I think kind of fair. And it's like, yeah, thirst is also a movie I might not like recommend to a wider audience. You know, it's it's so it's interesting. I don't know if it'll really get too much traction, but I'd love to see it because I think it's great.
0: Yeah, it's very specific. I think uh, I think we'll enjoy it. I think we could do something with it and uh, continue to uh, find spaces to talk about it in
1: these yeah like I said it's definitely going to come up a few times I think because I think it's just really well done Um, but we'll talk about that more when those when those come up because I don't want to say too much right now Um, the last thing I've got on my list here is Wendell and Wild which I watched um, between our recordings here Um, I think you like it quite a bit more than me which I also you've seen it three or four times now uh, which I think (laughs) helps for (laughs) any film Um, especially
0: that one that one's very diverting in its plots there's like six plots um
1: yeah i was surprised i mean you had mentioned that your first couple of times watching it it was like how many things it has going on but even then i was still like surprised watching it i was like wow this just keeps introducing new things and it cannot possibly keep up with all of them and it doesn't i think it really lets a lot of it kind of fall fall behind
0: i don't i don't think it ties it together very nicely it it did take me a few times to really register what everything was doing um but, but I, I got there. I mean, I yeah. got to where I was like, I, I enjoy this movie despite this. I think it's one of the better looking uh, stop animations, especially when the competitions, like uh, Marcel the Shell. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's easy competition. Um, of course, Mad God, I think is far superior uh, oh, yeah. either. So um, I don't even feel like it's a contest. <laughs> Mad God, no. Wendell, you know, yeah. Um, i think once we get to animation it'll be kind of surprising like which ones have actually worked for me if it's like a bob's burgers beavis and butthead (laughs) category this year it'll be such a weird 2022 it's it's
1: an interesting year for for animation i feel like the normal thing is just like disney pixar but i don't know if there's a huge standout there this year i mean we'll see when strange world comes out but i feel like some of the other stuff is, is standing up pretty well against that
0: yeah i know and uh Uh, that there is like that reclamation of like the 90s style and getting you know even Selleck back from like the nightmare before christmas and uh, beavis and butthead back and bob's burger back like we're kind of reclaiming old animation ideas so yeah i think there's i think there's more in the space than there's been lately uh i think so
1: yeah and i I mean i think wendell and wild is great because it does give Selleck that platform and i really like appreciate it just in that sense of like it being a really beautiful movie that very much feels like his project, but I do wish it was way more focused. I think it's it's just such a weird movie and there is so much going on there and there's a lot to like about it, but yeah, I just wish, I wish it would pick one track and really stick with that because I think it has its heart in the right place in so many things and, you know, it's against, like it's a kid's movie that's against private prisons and it's very direct about that and <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, there's so much going on around that that I think that can get pretty muddied, especially if it's a if it's a younger audience watching it.
0: Good needle drops, though.
1: Oh, great needle drops, which we'll talk about, I think, next week. Looking forward oh, to yeah. that conversation. Um, that's everything for me. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into our categories for this week?
0: Um. Oh, well, I, saw, I saw Wakanda. Uh, I saw oh, yeah. the new Black Panther, too. Seeing um, that tomorrow. Yeah, that was uh, muddy, darkly shot. Uh, kind of hard to look at. Um, uh, otherwise, just uh, some beautiful tributes to chadwick in there chadwick Boseman, uh the old black panther um uh, which was emotional fun you know uh fun on the sides when it's not being such a marvel movie but then of course it gets bogged down in that again yeah that's uh,
1: that's really just the thing is it's like every time i see one of these i'm like there's some good ideas in here and you can't let they're just like not allowed to exist anymore because there's so many things that it has to loop back into there's just too much um, I mean,
0: there's so many underwater right. shots, and they're so dark. <laughs> when Aquaman comes out in two months, you'll be like, oh, what the fuck, it was so dark. And <laughs> when Avatar 2 comes out next month from the same company, from Disney, you'll be like, oh, shit, like, like the CG is so, you know. Right. I mean, it's rudimentary compared to, like, this 10-year effort from James Cameron. Right. Uh, so, I I mean, there's just going to be no contest. Uh, I mean, I...
1: Yeah. I mean, which we kind of talked I wish about... It, last week in visual effects of just like this Marvel stuff is so like it's built in such like this factory way of like getting them out as fast as possible and constructing the effects before the movie even exists and it's like that just doesn't allow things to look as good as they should even if I'm not a huge fan of Avatar 2 it's like I know it's gonna look really good because there's actual effort put into it there
0: I mean just that having that play right before it too and like the proximity of the release doesn't help um the, the fact that, yeah, Aquaman was going to come out on Avatar's release date doesn't help. um I mean, yeah, I, I wish this wasn't all in a Black Panther movie because uh, I love the original Black Panther in premise. Uh, yeah. I love what it did for people, what it allowed them to believe in, uh, how it represented things they hadn't seen about themselves, the Pan-African influences yeah. and the, the large collective of... Of different you know shades of black act- actors that we hadn't really seen in superhero movies that's yeah great. and
1: i mean i i will say it seems like from from what i've gleaned so far that this is still doing that for those people and i think yeah. that's great i mean I, even if i'm gonna watch it and think this is just another mediocre marvel movie it's like if as long as that it exists as that for for a certain group of people then who am i to be mad about it you know
0: yeah i can't be mad i i think it's fine uh but yeah, not having Chadwick Boseman, who's just such, who yeah. emerged as such a star of Marvel, and and was really like the heart of it for you know, the very, saddeningly short time we got right. with him, afterwards, uh, plus Kendrick Lamar like really supervising over that original soundtrack of the first one, and then not being present in the new one, you know, there's, there's a difference in like what the yeah. cultural representation is. There's still like a lot of. Yeah, Pan-African rhythms and uh, uh, interesting stuff going on but uh, in the music, but it's not a Kendrick Lamar soundtrack.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, try as Marvel might, you can't really manufacture that stuff. I mean, to a degree, there's always going to be stuff that's just kind of out of their hands and comes organically from the people who are involved, and can't always just make that happen when you want it to.
0: Black Panther, I think, arrived at their their most specific time yeah. when that movie needed to be right ahead of a lot of the more public awareness of the Black Lives Matter campaigns and uh, just uh, more blackness and like the superhero cinema and in like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and I mean it felt like there was a moment there that it was kind of unlocking uh, which I don't think any of the other Marvel movies especially do.
1: No I don't think so I think they've kind of been maybe trying to recreate that but it, there's again there's no you can't force that and if that cultural moment is going to happen again, it's going to be a lot of things that are way out of Marvel's control. Um,
0: Yeah. And I know like, uh, like I have a friend who started like the uh, recast uh, T'Challa, like petitions, which it got amazing traction online and got like Marvel's attention. They went and interviewed like Marvel guys this week who are like the head of the company. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we know we, you have your petition out there, (laughs) but we kind of have to make the movie we know how to make. And yeah. Um, i guess i i wish they didn't i guess i wish they did go right. recast the character like superman's been recast i think it's important i think it means something to uh black children especially i think it's just such a significant thing so yeah go look up the uh, recast t'challa uh petitions online and uh that community is really interesting so uh i i i don't know i uh, it's hard to like bury like the the black hero who's just yeah who's so present um I don't think it'll factor much in awards either. I don't know where to put anything for it.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, again, not having seen it yet, but I, I, off the top of my head, it doesn't seem like there's anything. I mean, like I said, we talked about why Marvel doesn't really ever register for visual effects, and I don't know if there's that much else that it could fit into. I think maybe a really exceptional Marvel movie could fit into some technical category like cinematography, but that doesn't exist yet i think eternals tried that but that movie's so bad and i don't think the cinematography is actually effective so
0: but they shot outside they, they figured out they invented they invented how to shoot outside but <laughs> right uh, was the studio notes on that movie yeah so yeah that was another movie in shang chi i think less successfully but having a lot more fun going for right uh, a diversity pull miss marvel worked i think so they are still working at it but uh no cultural moment as big as Black Yeah, Panther. I
1: mean, it, honestly, if anything, it's like them trying is is really good enough because <laughs> it, it puts yeah. different things out there, and that's better than, than it all feeling the same, so I'll take that.
0: I'm more in on Marvel than I've maybe ever been. I mean, I I started watching them three years ago, so it's not like I have a long history. <laughs> I, I watched Iron Man when it came out. I didn't watch anything else until three or four years ago, and then I uh, watched everything all at once, and... Leading up to Black Panther, because I was so excited for that. Yeah. Um, because I like uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, I like his writing, and I like kind of uh, what he was bringing to, to Marvel. I kind of believed in something socially there. So, um, like, like I read his books, like, Between the World and Me, and I was like, well, you know, maybe Marvel's really something to look at, so... Um, yeah
1: marvel always likes to. The, it seems like they're very capable of giving you a lot to believe in and then it comes yeah. out and you're like oh i believed in this maybe i shouldn't have but
0: <laughs> and then it, i did like dumb things along the way like decided ant-man was the best marvel movie <laughs> and i stuck to my guns ever since and i
1: you know what i appreciate that you gotta stick with and
0: it. then i watched love and thunder this year i'm like that's the best one of this year I, I mean i'm making a lot of dumb decisions as i go but uh, <laughs> that's because i have no affinity for the brand and the comics and, and the legacy of these films so i get to make <laughs> bad decisions that that longtime fans wouldn't do
1: i think that's probably for the best to be honest <laughs> i it's think it's probably so. probably better that way to just make whatever wild decision you want rather than being feeling like you have to stick to something specific
0: yeah being like beholden to like how it matches the comics right. i don't know what any of that is so, um but yeah, I think I think Marvel has like one aesthetic, one idea right. speaking of this <laughs> week. One action movie template that they've kind of applied to everything that carries through.
1: Yeah, so let's let's step outside of the very constrained Marvel's Marvel aesthetic and, and step into some different stuff. I, I we're gonna talk kind of about just kind of general visual presentation and then we'll get into some genre stuff at the end. Um, I guess just overall, starting with, like, what, what is it that you look for in, like, a film's general visual presentation? Like, what what makes you like a film, the way a film looks? Is there anything specific?
0: I think it needs to be, for me, a holistic approach that begins with, like, an audio level, especially. I look for that first. Um, some connection between, you know, uh, the sound and vision of a movie is the most important right. thing I start with. But um, I need it to feel bespoke, like I want the audiovisual design. um, I guess I should talk about it in terms of design, like I want a movie designed and coherent and uh, visually I want it to have themes and motifs that make a lot of sense for the plot that it's servicing, or uh, the characters that exist inside the world, or the world that's being built. Um, Yeah. I want all those things to cohere and make sense. I don't need it to be like an action or visual effects movie. I, right, I think yeah. like after sun is a very visually coherent movie and is probably one of the better examples this year of what I want, despite, you know, uh, being, you know, just a mix of mini cam footage and, yeah. and her mixed memories of, uh, her father. And, uh, and then these evocations of like non memories of just him existing without her. So, um, I think like that's a very cohesive, multi-layered aesthetic that's also layered well into sound and in club music and dance and um also silences <laughs> silence is yeah. important for me but uh yeah just building a, a coherent world with characters that seem to exist in it and have purposes and have drive that are driven by a visual aesthetic that works for me
1: yeah, I mean you want all the pieces to to fit together. I mean, you can have a movie that's objectively shot very beautifully, but I think if the other stuff really drags that down, then you're not going to think about how it's shot really beautifully. Um, going back to like last year, like um, Last Night in Soho is shot by one of my favorite cinematographers, but it's a movie that I really don't like very much, so it's not even though a movie it's a that good I think movie, of. Yeah. <laughs> even though um, it's very good. <laughs> I guess you're you're more uh, more of a fan than i am um
0: it almost works for me and
1: um... i get i think i'm kind of more in the middle on it but it's still kind of my, the point kind of stands of like if i looked at that in a different way i think i i could appreciate a lot of the the camera work there but the rest of it drags it down to a point where i don't necessarily care about the visuals and there's some messy cgi stuff that i think especially if that's um what you put in the final act of the movie like that's the impression that's going to leave you with and, and you're not going to think about the stuff that came before that um but yeah in general I, I do certainly agree with you it's it's all of those things working together it's those those individual parts can only work so much on their own i think a lot about um i read Sidney lumet's book making movies earlier this year and
0: it's a good book yeah,
1: yeah it's a really good book he talks a lot about everyone on set making the same movie and that is what makes a movie great um and i just think about that a lot when i'm watching stuff of like is everyone here making the same movie and that's what makes something stand out so much is when everyone is really in tune with the vision of the movie and that's how that something really comes together
0: i think like the edgar right perfect example is baby driver for me of uh, definitely everyone kind yeah. of working toward the same goal and and a very defined like audio visual palette where um, all the actions determined by the music, um, I, I don't, I know not everyone lists it. Dunkirk is one where I feel like it's very designed based oh, on definitely. the music and, and the visual and the IMAX cameras. Uh, I, care about those things a lot more than I think, yeah. I mean, I weigh them heavily.
1: No, I, um, I agree. I think like it kind of works in both directions. Like if something only has one standout thing, then I'm really not going to, probably regard that one thing enough to really lift up the movie but i think if all of those audiovisual things are working together really strongly and put together a movie that i really like looking at or listening to then there's probably going to be other stuff that i might not mind as much i'm sure that there's plenty of very very specific and, and probably very legitimate critique of something like dunkirk but Same thing. Like I think that movie is put together so well, and it looks great, and it sounds great. So I'm gonna really like it anyway.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's such a thrill. I think it is a thriller. I think it accomplishes that through the soundtrack. I think. I think about my favorite movie, Under the Skin, and how it's my favorite looking movie and favorite sounding movie, and how well those complement each other. The alienness of the of the design is like very inherent in like the way the camera shoots people as alien but also in like these uh violin strings from a uh, classically trained uh violinist miko levy who uh, just happens to take like such an alien approach to like club music and yeah and just dissonance i think it, it works so well with those images
1: yeah that's such a great example because it's like the same thing of like that movie like every individual piece is so extremely like atypical but because all of it is atypical together that movie becomes one of the best things i think um would you
0: now call it a (laughs) 24ical
1: sure we can call it that. It was, like, the pioneering,
0: like, A24 yeah, no, movie right. that I think I think set a precedent for... I wanted to make that bad joke, but uh, <laughs> it, set a, it set a good precedent for, like, what movies would kind of look and feel and be designed, like, for, like, modern right. cinema. Um, I think, like, you still see that in Green Knight and um, pretty much everything A24 is putting out.
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. I think so, too. Um, yeah, I think in general, I mean, obviously they are not making the movies but they do a yeah, good yeah. job of, of picking those kinds of projects to to back that that do feel like that that do feel like they are kind of working together in in, in a really effective harmony but it is often really atypical in the way that it goes about that um which really think, yeah <laughs> which which creates a, a very striking filmography which is, i think is why it's easy for people to sort of attach to that studio and make fun as, of it thing. yeah and, and if it. they
0: want to make fun of it and pick it apart and say you guys are like attaching too much to a distributor you could really do that too um but they they choose the right projects I yeah. think it, i think they have a excellent track record for me um yeah i guess i'm still i'm circling back to that because of after sun like it's just such left such an impact then I'm, I'm kind of stuck with that idea this week uh,
1: well, I mean, A24 is just, it's just everything everywhere all at once, too, which is another one of our favorites yeah. of the year. So I think it's like, clearly they, they know what they're doing to some degree, whether you uh, want to be a fan of them or you want to hate them just because people like them, I guess. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would har- it'd be hard to, like, hate the whole distributor because they have so many different kinds right. of movies. And, uh, and because their approach is uniqueness, it would be hard to be like, i hate everything unique and and yeah that cinema it would be a weird stance to take
1: yeah i mean i can understand why people are kind of frustrated with like you don't (laughs) it doesn't make sense to like a studio that's not actually making any of the movies they are just you know working with talented filmmakers but i also get it when you like it's, it's easy easy place to go i think especially for people who are kind of in between being like yeah hardcore cinephiles and just casual film goers and it's like they can just say it's an A24 movie. It's probably going to be different and unique and I want to go see it. There's nothing wrong with that.
0: I mean, we don't have to even state it all the time. Like my friends are like so devoted to the criterion channel. It's not like they've made anything on there. You know, right. like the, I mean, Janice, like one of the, you know, criterion being a subsidiary of Janice is just like, okay, yeah, like their production company worked on restoring yeah. some of these movies, but they didn't direct many of them. Some of them they have produced and distributed, but, uh, it's like that uh my friends have total loyalty to criterion yeah, channel and then they're like true. what what's the a24 thing i don't get it you know Yes. Yeah. whatever uh, same thing um loyalty is fine if you continue to get what you want um
1: yeah that's very true i think loyalty of any kind is fine as long as you're watching different and interesting yeah. cinema i'll take loyalty to any random thing over loyalty to the biggest biggest corporations and brands <laughs> out there
0: yeah, if it's not Disney, I think if it's not Disney and Netflix, I think you're doing fine, and you're probably yeah, finding new stuff. Very true. Um, this is a, a very, I guess it's coming up a lot because it's also a very A24 category of like what they choose their projects for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you could say it's the everything, everywhere, all at once category this week that we're looking at aesthetics and genre. Yeah, it's true. Um,
1: yeah, there's a lot that that really goes into. The conversation here um but if you want to move into like our first category for this week I'm curious what yeah. your thoughts are on on film editing which is our first category um it's an interesting one I will say before we, we get into it um my reading of previous winners of this award so last year um both the Seattle Film Critics Society and Oscars gave it to Dune um mm-hmm. So nothing, I think, super interesting there. Doing one about yeah. every technical category for the Oscars and and several and for us. They,
0: so. they love that they edited it into, like, half a movie. That was very <laughs> yeah. uh, amusing to them, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I like editing for the same things I talked about audiovisually. I need a cohesive feeling. Um, something that doesn't feel like it, it loses the movie. Something that puts it together more than it... A, um, i i do buy into like the ideas of invisibility of the editor and that's what i always look for
1: i was gonna that's what i was kind of my thought on this category is like it's a really difficult one to parse out because i think out of all of the technical stuff it is the category that when it is perfectly executed you almost never notice it and i think that's the strength there and you know on the opposite side we talk about oscars kind of being like it's made up of of just actors and people in the industry and not necessarily critics or specifically editors and people that know what they're looking for and so the oscars the the thing is kind of often what had the most editing because it's what people notice and it's not necessarily that being the best because people don't know what to look for and they don't know what they're (laughs) supposed to notice and i can't say that i'm like extremely far outside of that it's a hard category to to think through and to pick something for because it is often invisible
0: yeah um and i think i just take the approach of you know whatever conveys the film best of all and yeah. makes the film feel cohesive and like it moves perfectly like the scenes aren't out of place i think like amsterdam is maybe the most out of place poorly edited <laughs> film of the year uh death on the nile is another horribly edited one where I feel like everything's out of place and scattered, um, that's just Bran Although I mean, he's just terrible, um, I think uh, my gold standard is always a uh, Martin Scorsese movie, and Thelma Schumacher, I think is yeah. my favorite editor ever, I think of, like, Raging Bull, and, um, pretty much anything, like, that they've worked on together, conveys so well Scorsese's voice, while also, Definitely. uh, handing it over, and kind of allowing a editor voice, and, I think a man like handing over to a woman has sto- historically been the best edited films. So, uh, allowing a woman to yeah. have more control over like editing a man back together, I think is always <laughs> the best idea.
1: I mean, I think in general, like there's two things that always really interest me in and looking at kind of wider filmography stuff, which is one, just when like a director has those frequent collaborators that they work with over a long period of years, because then you do then just develop that. Relationship of I'm making this movie and I know that this person can then take it and and get it to look like how I want it to look, um, and I had a second point that I have lost my train of thought on, <laughs> so unless I remember it, I'll, I'll leave it there for now. But that stuff is is definitely definitely very interesting to me.
0: I've taken an unconventional approach, or maybe it's one that I've always wanted to take, but I've began with the. Uh a movie that I think would be atypical for an editing award okay. and a, um, a group of editors would never choose, um, which is fire of love because I think, uh, Oh, interesting. that entire movie and the way it's come together is a process of editing. Um, Erin Casper's the editor there and she worked with a uh, director Saradoza, like in her Berkeley home, like where, Ber- you know, um, Saradoza went and she's a academic as well. And she pieced together this film, um, out of footage left behind of this couple who like really fell yeah. in love around their volcanology, and I think the whole film is an act of editing. And the reasons it works, I think, are because it's edited together to tell a love story. Uh, that's yeah. Um, wow. That's premised around like this couple just having thousands of hours of footage, and I think that has to be the most astounding editing of the year because it's taken all this pre-existing stuff and made it really gorgeous. Uh, when it didn't have to be that movie.
1: No, I would be very hard-pressed to disagree with you on any of that, because I think you're absolutely right. I think often documentary, like, the narrative comes from the documentarian because they are in the process of making it they are they end up you know kind of inserting that that bias into it and pushing the narrative that they want to push and creating it but when you have a movie like this that is constructed out of archival footage that was not shot by the by the director then it's it becomes a very much a, a film of editing and how do you put this together and how do you construct the the sort of story that you want to tell out of this footage and i think it, it really is an exceptional story of that because it really does tell a very cohesive story just out of this footage
0: you have that approach and then you could do like the show approach of being like okay i have five years to edit together nine hours of my movie and it's <laughs> like um there i think documentaries are really undercut in actually just being works of editing um i think most of the you, you know, archival or not, I think they're, they're really just crafting together uh, yeah, something true that they put their camera on, and uh, how you tell a story is how you edit it together. And I think the most successful documentaries are the well-edited ones, and the rest are talking head documentaries that are just randomly inserted, uh, people talking about a subject.
1: Yeah, I think it's kind of unfortunate for that genre of film in general. Like, I think documentaries, like, people often just think of it as what's what do they do for the documentary category specifically and not how can these yeah. films that are also films how can they be fitting into other categories That's that's absolutely true
0: i think this is the only one i would really consider this year <laughs> um riotville another one from uh, uh, magnolia we talked about magnolia earlier uh, that one might be another work of like editing as uh, an interesting component of old footage of um military drills running riot drills in fake cities and how it was supposed to yeah. predict how it would go in real life but uh, no i think fire of love is the only choice i'd really slot in my top five
1: interesting um i've got i've got a few for editing here i think and one that unfortunately you haven't seen yet because they're only showing it oh. at midnight for some reason but tar <laughs> <laughs> i know um, i
0: thought tar would be the best thing to see this week and i tried very hard and ended up at Black Panther. So, well,
1: I I can't say I blame you for them putting the showtime at 11 p.m. for a three-hour movie. I wouldn't go either. 11.45, um, and
0: that's... you have to figure that's AMC, so it must start past midnight. Because yeah, the 30 minutes of more than 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, but Tar, I think, is, is really exceptionally edited. The, the way that I kind of think about this film, I mean, it is a film about a conductor. and It is a film about orchestra and symphony and I think that the film really excellently mirrors that in the way that it's constructed I feel like the film itself is sort of symphonic and I think the editing also reflects that of kind of this film that sort of crescendos in the whole way that it feels in general and that that's really impressive to me when like the editing itself can reflect kind of what the film wants to the film's thesis I guess and and I think that's really excellent Um, so I think one of the the few that like i noticed in the in the way that the editing was exceptional i think also um and this kind of goes along with um our action discussion later but i think action is also like an exceptionally difficult thing to to edit and can make the make or break really an action movie is is how you put it together in the editing because there's plenty of movies where either way either the action's fantastic and i think that the way that it's shot and edited make it look terrible or i think that the action itself is really terrible and they try to edit around it to make it look good
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it's all about like when you cut how you create context around the action what you edit between um for me i guess another unconventional choice um i'd kind of go in off target for all my editing picks would be mad god because uh um the idea of Spending what 20 30 years editing together stop motion footage. Um, uh, yeah. stop motion again, another act of editing, uh, definitely, uh, particularly where you uh, you figure, oh, they just position a guy 50 different ways and they take shots of each one. Well, you have to like edit the right ones together, and uh, another yeah. choice where I'm like, god, that's a, a highly constructed visual piece that only exclusively works because of the exact sequence everything's in Um, yeah
1: and mad god i think is especially fascinating because it is so many different things coming together it's not strictly that stop motion stuff i mean there's there's live action in there and there's like stop motion mixed with still sort of stop motion but like they change the sort of fluidity of different things in the film and it's like that's Mm -hmm. it creates such a fascinating effect and it's like that stuff is all in how it's how it's put together and I think it's especially impressive like we talk about different stop motion films this year but it's like it's definitely different when you've got something like wendell and wild where they've got they're building a film and they know exactly what they're going to make and then they make it versus mad god which is like this extremely long project that's been put together over in in so many different places over so many different years and him just really wanting to work on this and wanting to complete it that he was able to produce something so Cohesive is is fascinating,
0: and Window and Wild's a, a good example of why Mad God works because it so doesn't. I mean, Window and Wild doesn't ever work that way. Uh, the way the plots are are edited yeah. together, it's impossible to follow that movie. Whereas Mad God just like one continuous idea that really feels yeah, fluid and very much opposite ends um, of the
1: spectrum there.
0: And Maybe our like some of our friends are like, oh, we just watch the movie and we just don't don't see it. Like we don't see the movie there. But uh, for me, it is just an act of editing and love of craft. Um, yeah, I, I love Mad God. Did you have did you have an action one uh, for this category this year that you were that you think was just like so exudes like editing
1: for editing? Yeah, I th- I think so. I think. I mean, for me, I, I think that there's actually quite a lot in the editing of Top Gun Maverick because I think, oh. I think especially like trying to convincingly shoot the plane action in that movie, you have to get, I mean, they, they obviously they have to get so much coverage of it and then it also becomes a game of how do I edit this to make sure that the viewer is really understanding where these planes are existing in space and, and how it's all coming together while you're getting all of these different shots and locations and interiors of the cockpits and stuff like that. And I think that there is no point in that movie where I don't understand exactly where everything is and what's happening. And I think that's totally a product of, of the editing and how it's it's all put together in post.
0: They said they had 800 hours of footage before they cut it down into every oh, single <laughs> movie. Just imagine, I mean, that's, a, yeah. that's so many... Times more than what you see of any scene, so just like choosing the right ones, putting them together in a way, it's always convincing and uh, always services that movie. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, that works well. I think in that category for me, uh, After Sun was another another recent one where again, I think the the mix of three different um, forms there is really compelling to tell the story. Yeah, um, editing together, yeah, the uh, spliced together videos that they took of each other on vacation plus the memories and then the, the non-memories of her father existing and then uh, crafting those three together into an edit that doesn't disrupt the movie right. and tells the story from like her as an adult looking back at her childhood uh, uh, successfully. I think it's a, a big ask that I don't think most directors could have uh, figured out. Yeah I mean editing
1: is so. super crucial in a film that's like about memory and, and trying to yeah. kind of look backwards. I think not that I would put it necessarily in this category, but, like, after Yang is, like, a similar thing of, like, when you're looking at combining kind of the past and the present like that, it's it's really important to know how to put it together cohesively. So, like, kind of the same thing with action. It's, like, you have to know exactly where everything is and, and what you're looking at, and so you're not confusing different, uh, different locations and different time periods and stuff like that.
0: I did have after Yang in mind um, for, yeah, like, the same reasons that you're saying, and uh, just from the beginning of that movie just uh, i think the edits are, are interesting it pairs images together in interesting ways again audio visually con- coherent and uh um the dance sequence at the beginning <laughs> oh uh, yeah, the so editing did. is interesting yeah uh yeah I'd, I'd put that in there and uh because i like directors who edit their own works and kaganda d- edits all his movies i think uh
1: oh yeah that's yeah. true you did you did mention that yeah i think i think you're right i don't know if i ever had it written down here but i certainly okay. certainly should add it I, I think i think yeah just having yeah, drop top gun ready.
0: out of there put in after yang <laughs> you know. um
1: but i think i mean i think that's everything i have to say on on editing there i think there's only a few things that really stand out to me at least so far we'll see kind of what comes through in the rest of the year there's definitely lots of releases left to come um i don't know if i I necessarily would say i'm anticipating anything in particular for editing um yeah
0: maybe you know you can never count a a spielberg movie so certainly if that plays uh that's about it for me that like i think i'm only thinking about that spielberg movie for a lot of these remaining categories um
1: yeah, will have to see what what else i mean
0: everything everywhere all at once could probably fit in the category at a stretch just because it doesn't lose so, so many threads it's incredible that it keeps it running in the air
1: i mean i think you talk about how much of a failure films like um like death on the nile or amsterdam are and like this genre that's kind of having this resurgence like this murder mystery thing it's like Maybe worth looking at something like Glass Onion, of like if this can yeah. successfully edit together that the the murder mystery kind of thing with so many different threads, which obviously I think Knives Out does excellently, but have not seen Glass Onion just yet.
0: Yeah, I think I, I think I'm good on the category. Otherwise, uh, I think we have a good spread there of unconventional and conventional choices.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely a category where I'm not sure how I would ever really predict that one, um, as far as what direction um any one uh, like the oscars or Wheelmans.
0: yeah yeah it'll probably be Fableman's or yeah uh, maybe maybe weird because of a uh, bow rap maybe they'll maybe <laughs> they, they'll feel attached to weird also <laughs> i
1: would be i would be surprised that would be a, a funny one to see win for sure um, that would
0: be like the best joke on the genres. like <laughs> a, yeah, right. weird best editing <laughs>
1: um you want to talk about cinematography though let's talk about best cinematography um real quick we'll mention last year we gave it to the green knight and the oscars of course gave that to dune um i should pull up who the cinematographers were on that um
0: was uh i forget if green knight was even nominated at the oscars there i, I, I didn't think green knight got any board. nominations
1: yeah which was such insane a bummer. um yeah greg greg frazier on uh, dune and then um let's see Green Knight green knight and I, I think it's andrew draws palermo um okay. who has also done who also did a ghost story so has worked with uh, david lowry before um hmm. but yeah, yeah what do very you, what what would you say are like some of your favorite examples of cinematography i guess you've kind of talked a little bit like under the skin and stuff like that But like what really sells you on cinematography
0: I feel repetitive, but again, Raging Bull is my favorite oh, uh, thinking the idea of uh, old boxing photos. And yeah. they took like a, the old boxing footage of what boxing really felt like and then framed the camera around uh, how that would be shot. And also they invented a lot of ways that modern shorts are, uh, sports are shot through that movie. So oh, uh, they invented a lot of like the telecast for like what sports cinematography would actually become. Uh, where it was just very plain images of, like, a film yeah. sport before. Raging Bull created, like, a whole dramatic um, language of what uh, sports were in the uh, cinematic context. So I think that's a, by far, I think my favorite... Uh, Under the Skin, of course, yeah. Um, that that has just such an alien yeah. language in its cinematography yeah. as well. Um, yeah, I I, don't, I would say I, I Am a Scorsese Head, which is coming out, and I think a lot of his cinematography is really what I'm looking for in a typical movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean I I again like I I don't think I can I can disagree with that at all. Certainly he has so many great examples of that. I mean I feel like he's often weirdly disregarded. I think maybe just because he's such like a He's been there for so long, doing such a great job that
0: taken for granted. maybe. Yeah, somehow he's
1: it's not notable anymore when he continues to do a great job. But yeah, there's there's not really many of his movies that I would go look at and say this isn't a, a phenomenal example of any particular aspect.
0: Um, what what are you looking for? What's your uh, example of great cinematography?
1: You know, I I don't know. I'm I feel like I'm pretty easily impressed as far as cinematography goes um i i like lots of different things i like when i I really i just like when the cinematography is expressive um and and kind Mm -hmm. of pushes the aesthetics of the movie forward quite a lot and that can look like a lot of different things um so i don't know i mean i think some of my favorite examples are um something like the handmaiden i think is probably one of the best shot movies ever um i really like the way that pretty much every carol Stami movie is shot are, are some yeah. of my favorites as well um something like paris texas is is also a really stunningly shot movie um all kinds of stuff but yeah it's, it's really just kind of like we've been kind of drilling in this whole time is just like what how do you make that cinematography really stand out along with the rest of the film's aesthetic and how does the cinematography lift up everything else around it um, how does it complement everything else that the film is trying to do and that's when I really like it.
0: Yeah, Kirostami's a great example. And I think uh, leading with that uh, hit the road for me is a yeah. great example of a similar cinematography of Kitomi type where I, I just uh, I have the images of that movie in my mind and I've carried them with me and I think that's how I know. Uh, if I have like that mental image of how the movie's like playing, uh, replaying visually in my head after the movie, the movie after the movie, I like to call it. But I, um, when I could play that in my head and I have like that, that very fixed idea of that's yeah. a really smooth, good approach to filming something, I think that's what I connect.
1: Yeah, really, hit the rose on my list as well. It's such a striking film. I think, like you said, like that, that imagery really sticks with you, I think. Um, and I've watched that movie twice, but yeah, it definitely really sticks with me. And I think the way that the again like the cinematography is very complimentary of like a film that very intentionally is obfuscating a lot of its information and isn't trying to tell you a lot directly Um, and I think that the the way that it's shot really lends itself to kind of helping the viewer figure it out for themselves and try to understand what that journey means for those people and and the way that the landscapes change um, and shift along with the way the movie is progressing Um, I think it's yeah, I think it's a fantastic example. What else you have for this year?
0: Uh, this year as well, I have, uh, let's see, let's go with something surprising. Pearl was uh, very surprising for me. It's a great uh, pick, shot yeah. in a lot of classical ways, but also a horror movie. Um, of course, they had like all of like James Cameron's crew like left over from the Avatar shoots, right. and they're like, "What if we just did that with like a horror budget?" And it turned out phenomenal um uh, i think in x too it's very good but uh pearl i think is just very classically shot and gorgeous
1: yeah i think pearl is definitely the standout of those two movies in terms of the way that it's shot and like really I, I mean i do think that x really pulls off that grungy aesthetic but it's certainly a lot less captivating than the more um open and like vibrant technicolor aesthetic of pearl which i think it gets across so well um and it really is just like it's the way that you shoot something makes such a huge difference, and it's such an interesting project to look at because those two movies are the same teams of people and the same you know direction and the same location, but it's just the way that you choose to shoot it and put it together and and change things in post, and it makes such different movies.
0: I mean, if I didn't hear Mia Goth's voice in that that one interview, I think <laughs> I'd just be. I'd still be like flying really high on the movie. I'm I'm still trying to figure out that voice, but uh am uh, amazed by her too. Um, you can't
1: can't unhear that, but <laughs> no. she's got a great for <laughs> great performances this year for sure.
0: That makes her performances even better, doesn't it? Uh it does, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All the more convincing. Um, credits to her. Um please don't give an award speech. We love you. Um <laughs> yeah uh other best cinematography i think nope is a very obvious big example that could win like the dune crowd out for like a a populist version of like cinematography writ large on the screen like here's what uh cinematography could look like i think top gun in a sense too but i'd i'd probably edge in nope as like a very intentional uh choice of what our cameras do and and how they function and and here's an example of them functioning that way yeah next too
1: nope is on my list as well i think it's really really exceptional and one of my favorite cinematographers Hoyte van Hoytema, um who's Mm -hmm. just done so much exceptional work like we talked about earlier he did dunkirk um yeah but yeah just so many movies that i think are really exceptionally beautiful i think ad astra is really amazingly well shot um her is a a great example of the cinematography i don't want to get into an argument about about her on this podcast (laughs) which i know you are not a fan of um but yeah, he's he's a really great cinematographer, and I think that his work on Nope, especially like the the way that he shoots the nighttime stuff in that movie, I think is is really astonishingly well done.
0: Sure, yeah. Um I'm trying hard not to comment on her, so I
1: <laughs> I shouldn't have brought it up. Let's let's move on quickly.
0: <laughs> Alright, um <laughs> We also have a. Uh, the Northman was one for me where I thought uh, mm-hmm. very compelling and uh, very awkward cinematography. The camera jumping around, not following the action in a way that I found compelling in a in an odd way. Uh, watching it twice, I kind of hooked on to more of like, that's a weird way to, to shoot that. That's unconventional. That's a strange choice yeah. in that movie.
1: Which I think it feels like. A very eggers fixture of like the way that he shoot things shoots things very unconventionally i think is, is definitely yeah. can be seen throughout all of his movies but it, it definitely it works for me I, I think the northman's on my list as well of of like really exceptional cinematography this year but i think that's also like maybe an example of like me being kind of easily sold on the cinematography because i think that and banshees of inner are just like they're movies that really shoot really well really beautiful landscapes and i'm like this is really beautiful movie i like this a lot and it's like maybe that's not (laughs) what exceptional cinematography is specifically but they're still really (laughs) beautiful movies
0: (laughs) for you and i just being like oh beautiful backgrounds that makes a good movie the green knight and yeah banshees and uh in a sense like top gun being like shot like largely out here in like the mountains around it um and, and Nope, even having like that big valley, it's like these natural landscapes are really dominating my ideas of what uh, cinematography is. I'd include uh, uh, After Yang again, because of course, like the architectural uh, yeah. interests that Kaganda has, I think are very inherent in all of his movies and play into cinematography and the way he shoots and uh, uses alignment of things and um, uh, just creates like a visual space. I think is always interesting
1: yeah but i think it's like another example of like you have to have every different component working in harmony because it's like the wrong cinematographer would take any of these locations no matter how great they are and they <laughs> they would certainly be capable of shooting them really poorly so it's not just an automatic easy win i think some people look at banshees of in and they go oh well, it's just it's really beautiful ireland and you want to look at that but it's like but it's also you know you have to shoot it right and you have to know how to shoot that i think yeah i think the sky especially can be such a difficult thing to shoot and it's like when when the cinematographer really gets that right and gets the the sky really beautifully shot that's that stands out and should
0: and an example of cg working in concert with uh cinematography where a lot of things are edited out in the background this is a make-believe location a lot of it's created for the film and uh were shot in like redressed buildings in the area. Um, uh, of course, still like shot off the Ireland coast, but you know, in a Sharon being a make believe place, a lot of it's so created and um, creating that believable space yeah. and really believing in the images of it that are kind of like again playing in my head of uh, Colin Farrell walking through there with his cows and uh, you yeah. could call them just like insert fixtures, but I think they they work to like sell this uh, yeah. this place.
1: I think so too and I mean I, even though I think that so much of, of Inner Sharon is just like really beautiful landscapes like I think that when it does have those opportunities it also really the cinematography does elevate the material like there's so much use of like division and structure to sort of emphasize the division of like these relationships and this stuff kind of falling apart um, and that really sold helped sell it for me of like noticing that stuff of like this is shot in a very intentional and very effective way for me.
0: Um, my other one was uh, The Cow Who Sang a Song into the Future a movie that I don't think anyone else will watch this year from the director <laughs> of And the Whole Sky Fit in the Dead Cow's Eye another example of me just liking cow movies <laughs> I think uh, I should watch Andrea Arnold's Cow because I know that's uh, qualified for this year uh, Yeah, just to get three of them in here in this one category would be nice uh, just gorgeous uh, cinematography I think uh, Princess Galgeria is a, a really cool chilean director nobody else knows about yet and i i like fighting those fights for those people
1: yeah that's always the interesting thing about like doing festival stuff is like you can watch 15 movies at a festival and you have no idea where any of them are going to go if they go anywhere you can watch something and think it's really exceptional and it can end up at the top of your list and then nobody else sees it and it's like oh i thought this movie would be more of a thing and it's just kind of just kind of leaves the the public sphere it yeah, doesn't get picked up uh, it's a up. shame it i, a I shame. like the movie
0: so much um and it has so much cool like again it's mixing like alien imagery with the uh, uh really cool backgrounds in chile and like swamps and and just like cows against meadows and things i like um i wish other people had seen it uh four yeah. other friends have seen the movie and none of them are critics that doesn't help my cause
1: yeah, I think maybe my my pick there might be um, a film I saw this year called A Vanishing Fog, which I don't think oh. anybody I follow has seen. It Only only 237 people have, have logged it on Letterboxd, so definitely one that flew under the radar, but I thought was a really beautiful movie, um, really well shot, but just wasn't really, as far as I know, picked up by anyone. It's probably not going to have much attention on it, and maybe it doesn't Again, even qualify because yeah. it hasn't had a release, so
0: yeah both of these movies could qualify in three years and be right. picked up by uh yeah someone um so I, I never know what to do with those when i'm like so impassioned by yeah. something right away and i don't know if i'll have a fight left in me in three years for the cow who sang a song into the future <laughs> about cows literally singing songs that uh, project this woman into the future and uh she gets to explore her life through uh, multiple realities um people should see this movie yeah i I make it myself want to rewatch it it's so cool Um, chilean directors are rad
1: i don't think oh yeah i was also going to mention um decision to leave which i think um is really well shot and bones and all as well which i saw um also both just really well shot movies i think kind of different different spaces that they occupy i think bones and all kind of does the thing of of really shooting really naturally beautiful things but also shooting them really well i mean it is a i think it's maybe kind of a prerequisite for a great road movie is is being able to really shoot your landscapes well and to shoot those areas and that movie really does get to the the heart of that kind of section of america um and then decision to leave i think is much more effective in in the way that a lot of um park Chan wooks movies are of like being very technically effective and, and shooting things in a very specific way that kind of Flies under the radar at first, I think, but then you kind of come yeah. to realize by the by the end of the film that like everything was shot so specifically and was doing things that you maybe weren't even noticing, which I always mm. really love watching his work.
0: I can't wait for that <laughs> decision to leave. I, I I'm just waiting for. It. I don't know where the opportunity is to go watch it. Uh, is that is that out?
1: Uh yeah, I think it played at SIF somewhere, um, but it might okay. be gone already because they only have a they only can play stuff for like a week, I think, and they got to put is it in... neon. Ye no, actually I don't think so. No? I think it Decision feels to like leave, a neon movie. It does. I think Decision to Leave was a movie uh, release. I think oh, they shit. bought it. Okay. Um, so, so we I don't... may
0: not get it. Um, but I might be able to subscribe to Movie and get to watch it. So yeah, we'll find a way.
1: We'll have to see when that uh, when that comes out more Let's It becomes see, more there's... available.
0: <laughs> it's at Regal Meridian. Showtime starts at uh, 11 p.m. Is a uh, Decision to Leave. Uh,
1: all right well let's wrap this up and you can get down there real quick <laughs>
0: right with tar and like the movies I, <laughs> yeah. I can't afford my physical
1: presence yeah Decision um, to Leave is leaves also a bit of a longer one i think i mean, Jesus. like two hours and 15 so not as bad as tar but but still definitely too late for a for an 11 p.m showtime
0: and it's pretty good you'd think it would it'd fit in this category for you
1: I think so yeah I, I think it's really exceptional I think it's just a great movie overall um but yeah I think the the cinematography is really it's really special I think there's some there's just some great stuff there I think he really knows how to how to just get effective shots out of very what might be just very standard locations he kind of constructs ways to make these these locations really beautiful and it's like this movie doesn't have. A really beautiful landscape to look at, or anything like that. It doesn't in, in places, but for the most part, it's like these very personal interiors. But he manages to make it really exceptional, which is just kind of those things working in harmony together.
0: Excellent. um Speaking of that, are you going to include it in your uh, action category? I, I don't know what kind <laughs> of movie it is. It's like a thriller. <laughs> it's not
1: that. Yeah, it's like a romantic thriller kind of thing. Like kind of a detective romantic story. mystery thriller. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay um so not action but there are a lot look of look
0: in uh, the next movie
1: it's interesting um so i will note briefly last year and i think it's important to note the last year um so this is first of all of course this is obviously just a seattle film critics society category and not an oscars category which is unfortunate yeah. because maybe they should have it but um last year in the heights took this so action choreography can can mean a lot of things it doesn't necessarily just need to be uh strictly action people punching each other kind of thing um yeah
0: we talked about like in the past like Ford and Ferrari was a, a qualifier in this category i mean just you know racing um driving uh, any stunt work yeah, which I mean, can include dancing
1: right and it's good to be expansive in something like this because you want to feel like you can include all kinds of things because all kinds of things take the same sort of work in the background even though they're they're coming out on the screen a little bit differently i mean there's still there's certainly a difference in what you're looking at versus the choreography of a a musical and an action movie, but there's still the same amount of of effort that's going into really making those look precise and, and fluid.
0: I have like a really strong three, and I wonder if we have like the same three or same top four is possible as well.
1: Yeah, we might. I mean, I feel like looking at it this year, I was like, there's only a few really strong action movies that I really feel... kind of passionately about and maybe only like two that I really really love Um, trying to look at like what else I could watch for this category and what else I could maybe find and there just wasn't much that I felt like was going to be super effective I was limited on time and far as far as Mm -hmm. like getting to things I started watching but I haven't even finished yet I started watching Carter which is a South Korean movie from this year man it's like a it's trying to do like a cool one take action movie kind of thing um but even though i don't like a lot of things around it like the action itself was just not impressive at all to me from what i've seen so far it's <laughs> and it's like it's shot so poorly that i think even if the action was great i probably wouldn't be able to tell very well but i think the action itself just isn't that interesting and it's covered in a bunch of cgi blood that just looks terrible and i'm like yeah i'm not into this movie at all um mine um,
0: was my failure to watch an action movie this week was uh athena was uh, the one that i really gave a shot for for this category oh, yeah. and thought i could fit in besides uh wakanda of course like, athena was my other one that was a uh, also ran for this category um, from Romain Gavras of course a famous uh, director father uh, but he doesn't understand possibly his father's politics or, or what it means mm. to, uh, to be progressive because uh, I don't like his both siding of like how he shoots like this protest and uh, uh, he tries to shoot fun action scenes but I don't know like just like action that's just kind of happening all the time kind of gets lost to me it Eventually, it feels like, again, a lot of long shots, which just feels like people wandering around sets to the next thing sometimes. Um,
1: Yeah, sometimes uh, stuff becomes sort of like a staple of genre, and a lot of people start to do it without understanding what it means or what makes it effective, which is kind of unfortunate, because then you just start seeing it all the time, and you're like, I'm seeing this again, but it's not even good, and you're not doing it well, so I don't care.
0: Do we have the same top two, though, would you say that's fair, or likely?
1: I think that's probably likely um okay let me know what you got
0: okay i have top gun and triple r
1: interesting i i mean top gun certainly up there i had um rr and everything everywhere all at once because i think okay. this has some great action in there i think it's it's put together really well um, i have that in fourth here but i think RRR is is probably my number one pick for this one i think that all of it comes together so well and it's like that goes back to in the heights of like there's dance and there's just straight up action and and all of it flows together perfectly and it's all just brilliantly choreographed i
0: also have neptune frost is a thing like that's everything i like about the movie is a lot of the dance and the choreography oh, yeah. no, and the placement of, of people so uh, that's in my top four as well as uh, nope actually is a, a really significant action movie yeah, that's
1: a that's a great addition as well that I didn't quite consider, but I think it totally fits for that. Yeah, there's some there's some really great sequences in there. I really want to rewatch Nope. Um, I do too.
0: It's on HBO. Though. I mean, it's easy to rewatch. I uh, and we'll get screener for that. Um, Shin Ultraman was a fun pick for me. It's just episodic yeah, I can see that being uh, kaiju action that I really enjoy. Um, going down the list, uh, Batman. I'm a little bit divided on, but I think it's a fun action movie. Um, I like. Oh no, it's a it's a little bit more reserved than maybe the Nolan action of Batman has been.
1: Yeah, there was there was quite a few things that like I sort of liked but didn't include because I wasn't like hot enough on them, you know. Okay. I think like there is some very good action in Prey, but it's like it's not one that I'm like passionate about to like put on that list. But it's certainly, you know, in the in the conversation of action movies this year um other stuff that came out i know you really hate ambulance but that's an action movie that <laughs> can be i guess discussed um bullet train as well i don't know if you ever saw bullet train um
0: not yet um there was uh what was it called that uh, the roundup from uh um lee sang young which is a good uh kind of martial arts action movie uh another one from magnolia we got was uh the hunt um which is also supposed to be a good action movie, but looks a little bit overlong. Um, and it's just, you know, that Korean format yeah. for action can work pretty well. Uh, Lee Jung-jae is the director there, who I'm not that familiar with, but uh, looks looks pretty good. Uh, uh, yeah, that's near the bottom of my list of that stuff. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think we have those, those four or five to really look at, which is like Top Gun, Triple R, Nope, Everything Everywhere, and neptune frost like among our sites those are significant yeah
1: i think those would definitely kind of be my my top few as well i think overall not a great year for action stuff i think a lot of the action stuff that's out there is is kind of middling and and not doesn't really stick with you as much as it as it could um hopefully we will see more great action stuff next year i know like the john wick trailer just released and that's going to be i think a Great action movie coming out next year. Um, I don't think there's really Dune next year. Um, yeah, I believe so. Um, yeah, and a we Dune...
0: have Avatar next month still, so maybe
1: is, is uh, Furioso supposed to release next year? That I might think be. So. Uh, uh, yeah, that might be uh, that's an easy a. That's a shoe as well. So. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, we might as well nominate it now for next year. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like James Cameron having a movie next month that that could happen. Anything. Yeah, very Action related could happen there. I mean, if you direct Aliens, I'll, get, I'll check it out, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, and Terminator 2, yeah, he's definitely he's definitely up there in, in action directors, but he's done so many different things, it's like you don't really think of him as action director. Um, yeah, I think I I'd
0: want to fit a lot of horror movies into into this category, but uh, <laughs> it's not formally like what works. Right. I feel like there's just stuff that, that I think works in horror that I, I almost just want to give the nod to action, but it's not quite there. Um, so we're discussing horror as well. Uh, is that even a category for a Seattle Film Critic, or is that just a thing we're doing?
1: No, it's not a category. I just kind of wanted to talk about, like, I, I don't know if I even mentioned it last episode, but just I figured with each of these, if I've got any kind of just random categories or extra things to discuss alongside, you know, sort of thematically alongside what we've been talking about and so it's talking about genre stuff, I just said, let's talk about horror because horror is a thing that often does not make it into the awards discussion so i thought it would be fun to talk about some of our favorite horror movies from this year so i think if if we're good on talking about our favorite action for this year uh, then oh yeah we can talk about some horror stuff
0: i think like crimes of the future is like the big one that i'd put like on a marquee And like if there's a horror award i think cronenberg should win it um...
1: i think so too i mean i think crimes of the future is in general one of my favorite films this year i really really like that movie but especially in in the world of horror i think crimes of the future really stands out for releases this year and it's been a big year for horror i'd say i think there's been a lot of of interesting stuff coming out not all of it works for me and there's a lot of stuff that i think i'm kind of divergent from the public opinion on um but
0: name some uh put yourself up on uh (laughs) well i mean i'm certainly i'm
1: certainly up there uh on spoiling things talking about several movies that i really uh, am disagreeing with the the public on but i mean stuff like um stuff like terrifier 2 where it's like people are such fans of that or barbarian like really big movies in the in the horror (laughs) crowd that i just wasn't a fan of but it's like i'm still happy to see horror having such a such a surge in popularity and being really out there and talked about it's just that's that's important to me because i think at, horror is such a great genre
0: at the bottom of my list i have not terrifier 2 and then i have in parentheses <laughs> but dot 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 parentheses so i don't know what that means i don't know where i was going with that except that maybe i don't like terrifier 2 but maybe it has horror credentials that i think it would pass it on to like a top 10 of any horror list for the year just because of a uh, necessity, what it made back on its budget, what it will allow horror to be made in the future. Um, I think it.
1: Yeah, it's got to no, be in like the
0: top ten that that people considered for the year.
1: I think so. I mean, I think if I were to expand like my um, my top ten into into horror, then I think that. Um... I don't know if i would place terrifier 2 in that but i also don't know if there's maybe how many horror movies have i even seen this year i've got 25 this year so i think that would probably yeah. make it pretty close to that but not a movie that i particularly love but i think certainly exemplifies a lot of what <laughs> horror is even though if i don't know i think it does it well <laughs> um
0: should just go up my list because it's funny i have birdemic 3 um, uh, sea eagle is my is my next one which oh wow which doesn't have a knot by it, which I think is funny. Uh for maybe the same reason I like a lot of like the motor movies, it's uh um I don't I wouldn't say it's trying to be bad. I, I'd say it knows it's bad. Um and the motor movies are actually good, but I think the way they're having fun and kinda of just like hanging out and yeah. doing fun horror things is kind of what they're doing here. And they're kind of re embracing it after a terrible second movie that wasn't fun in ironic ways. Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes, so they're they're some, knowing. They they know what they're doing.
1: Sometimes it's better to watch something bad but independently made, and there's kind of like a little bit of earnestness there, rather than something yeah. that's bad and made by a huge studio. Um, think what do you have
0: like, near the bottom of your horror list?
1: <laughs> near the bottom, right at the bottom, I've got They Slash Them, which is a, a, ter- a terrible, terrible <laughs> okay. film. Um, what about day, of like
0: but... the ones you nominate?
1: Uh... The ones I would nominate, um, I think at the top of my my horror. I only have five down here, but, okay. but at, the, at the bottom of that list is Halloween Ends, which is a film that I really like a lot. Um, I think kind of does everything that I would want that movie to do, um, which is everything that most people didn't want it to do. <laughs> so
0: I agree. Yeah, all the things that made people mad made me smile and uh, uh, made me happy that they were going to be upset.
1: Um, yeah, I don't want everything to be just... I don't think horror should be always just super crowd pleasing. I want horror directors to take wild swings and do wild things because I feel like that's something that's often, often missing. I feel like in the past, that's what horror was, was people just taking wild swings and it's created oh, some, yeah. of, some interesting conversations. Like when people go back and watch other horror and people watch these old franchises and have crazy different opinions on what they like and what they don't like, because it's just people taking weird swings and giving out really weird stuff and... Yeah. When that becomes just horror directors making really safe things it's far less interesting so i like that halloween ends is very weird
0: (laughs) when you have like the modern directors going through horror series and they keep making installments that there's like such a baseline of like everything's consistent and uh, like you say like the old horror method was like uh, let's do something radically different this once like we we have one shot at this franchise and we're going to bring people in who are only going to have this one shot and they they want to leave like some kind of mark on it, and uh, and like you say, they did take wild swings. And when you watch a whole horror filmography, you don't want it to be Texas Chainsaw. You want you don't want it to be Hellraiser. You want it to be like, okay, these guys actually tried something different. You want it to be exactly. like uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Seven. Uh, written by a friend of mine but uh, where they were like uh let's try to win an oscar with this movie uh you want it to be like something that wild and like off the wall uh, yeah
1: i mean i think friday the 13th is like the best example of like a series where it seems like almost every installment they thought was going to be the last one and then it wasn't so it's like every director is making it with the idea that like this is the last shot at it and it, it, a lot of those movies don't work very well but again it's like they're wild swings and there's a lot to admire there even if the films aren't great
0: that's kind of how this one feels, too. It's just like, this is our last chance in this uh, this trilogy, at least. Yeah. Like, I'm sure Halloween will come back. Um, I don't think it's ended in any way. Uh, Can't imagine. Yeah, it's too much money in it. <laughs> and now and uh, the director gets to go on for The Exorcist, something I'm a lot more reserved about. Uh, But uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm always willing to have fun. I hope he takes weird swings there. Because Exorcist 3 is another one that's like let's take some wild ass swings and just see what happens uh, yeah uh, halloween too consistently bad in consistently bad ways <laughs> it uh, is, as a it franchise. is very consistently
1: bad as a franchise um, again talked about on uh, the most recent episode of spoiling things talking about halloween ends and uh talking about several horror releases including terrifier 2 but yeah just not a good franchise when you look at it overall
0: <laughs> um down near the bottom of my list i <laughs> Studio 666, which is the Foo Fighter movie. Oh, yeah, I didn't uh, get around to that. About them, like, um, following the legacy of classic rock musicians like uh, Led Zeppelin, you know, Pig Floyd, like, all these ones that, like, went into haunted castles and, and recorded their albums and uh, had, like, haunted stories about it. Um, and it's about every member of the Foo Fighters getting picked off until Dave Grohl has to pursue a solo career. Yeah. Uh, Released with like this, uh, well, they're trying to record this satanic album and it's just trying to be like the last thing the band would ever make together. And then, uh, of course, tragically, you had a Taylor Hawkins die like two weeks after it was released. Uh, so they created like this concept album in the movie of like, this is our fated last album, it's gonna kill off all our band members, and then suddenly a real life, yeah, death, uh, that's tough, which which has a lot like hanging over this that I don't think uh, the film needs, but enjoyment wise I, I that one stuck with me for those obvious reasons that it uh yeah yeah i I really like foo fighters uh resurrection
1: a, has a john a carpenter one? cameo too doesn't it 666 yeah that's, i think that's maybe the only reason i really want to watch it at this point <laughs>
0: uh resurrection was a fun one to catch a sif uh yeah resurrection a very fantastic. strange movie
1: I don't know if it people has. are talking about
0: how strange that is.
1: I don't know if it's had a wide release yet, okay. or if it's still if it's maybe it doesn't count. Um, I th- I think it did. I mean, it did get a theatrical release outside of. Um, oh, it looks like it's on Shutter now, so okay, people can watch um, it. But yeah, great movie. I really know, like Resurrection.
0: Yeah, I it people haven't talked about how weird it is. I think that discourse still needs to happen. Um, what else? Pearl. Pearl, obviously, like just blew Pearl's me away great. based on my yeah. disinterest in X, generally. Um, fantastic movie. Mad God I have at the top of my list because I adore it.
1: Yeah, I need to note somewhere that... Because I have I have Mad God and Hit the Road on my list from last year, so like I keep forgetting that they're eligible this year. I need to note <laughs> right. somewhere that I know because Mad God would certainly be at the top of this list as well.
0: Uh, nope, which keeps coming up. I have in mm-hmm. there uh, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Probably the only place I have that, and it's not going
1: yeah bodies, bodies, like- i like a lot i've got flux gourmet in here as well which i think is fantastic um hmm. a little bit like horror adjacent kind of thing but um I, bones and all would be technically horror but like i don't think of it in the same way that i think of that genre horror stuff it's more of like horror again like horror adjacent kind of thing um i think flux gourmet leans into that a lot more though um but yeah it's been a, it's been a really good year for horror i mean it's
0: I think so yeah, yeah
1: just lots of stuff to watch which I think if anything is is great when there's just lots of horror coming out um, because I think even even if it's bad it's it's fun to take in that stuff I think horror more than anything else for me it's like I can watch a lot of bad movies and they probably will just I'll forget about them and I won't think about them again but a lot of horror it's like even if it's not great it's stuff that I'm probably gonna think about to some degree for a lot longer
0: and it's not like it's not counted out if i give a horror movie a three out of ten that i'm not gonna rewatch it next year uh, I, I love that about horror movies it's like it's very true, i could yeah. give it the lowest score my friends could all give it one out of ten i'm like yeah i think it's time i think it's time for that movie to be on my watch list and and for me to really dig in to the uh, leprechaun franchise uh in total and watch all the evil bong movies uh yeah it's <laughs> time for that it's true you never uh,
1: never discount horror like some other stuff you discount like i have no interest in watching amsterdam but if there's bad horror that i'm missing i'll absolutely watch that
0: <laughs> yeah it's a really easy buy-in too I, most of the time i'm pretty ready to say yes to any horror idea any group watch that involves horror i'm pretty much ready for um uh started a little rough with the the new scream movie which i didn't love this year nah, um, yeah i
1: really don't like that either
0: and we're getting another Scream movie early next year. Or I think next year we're getting a new Scream movie, right? Yeah,
1: probably at some point. I don't know when the when the release date's supposed to be, but it's being worked on. I don't know if it's been shot yet, what stage it's at in production, but not one think... that I'm looking forward to. I really just am not interested in more Scream. I mean, I'm honestly not that interested in Scream past the first movie, which I think is, is perfect. Sure. <laughs> um...
0: Fair enough. Uh, M3 again? Uh, Megan? will be our (laughs) our next big
1: oh yeah we got the invite for that already which is i was like slow down (laughs) don't make me think about January, right yeah yeah
0: Yeah, that's an early invite Uh, i think that's the next horror movie so um yeah yeah, it was a good year for horror
1: yeah i don't have too much horror left this year it's the menu count as horror is that uh is that one sure yeah maybe yeah um
0: i keep getting it confused with the invitation (laughs) um
1: Oh yeah, that's, uh, that's another one that released this year that I haven't watched and probably won't. Um, yeah. This year's The Invitation, not 2015's The Invitation, which I do like well, a lot.
0: And the problem is, most of these won't... I mean, uh, we might like them a lot, but we're not going to be able to get them through a lot of right. categories. <laughs> uh, people vote against horror so adamantly that I think, like, Nope is probably the only one we've discussed that has, like, actual awards possibility. Pearl might... Like, Pearl might have a stretch, because people love Pearl. I think Uh, Crimes of the Future has no chance, and that bothers me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the problem with Crimes of the Future is, like, I just don't know... It's one of my favorite movies of the year, and I don't know what category I would really put it in for any of these. It's a tough one to place. Um, Like, I think Pearl, I think, has very strong chances, like, just in, in Mia Goth's performance, if anything else. But, yeah, Crimes of the Future, it's like, I love it so much, but I don't know where I would place it and it's too far down for me to consider it for something like best picture even though it's high up there still it's like it's in this weird spot of like i really love this movie but i don't know how it could get traction anywhere
0: yeah i think that's why i haven't like raised it up any higher than like my seven out of tens i don't have anything to do with it um after i mean i i love the movie but uh yeah I, i can't do anything with that um i don't have any push to make for it Ah, uh, which is sad because I think like us introducing this just for this show, I think ah, uh, make makes it worthwhile just because of crimes of the future existing. Um, yeah,
1: it's good to have a place to to talk about this horror stuff because like like you said, there's not much space for it in the in the rest of the categories, which is a bummer. But like again, yeah, like, I don't know really what I would place it where I would place it unless we just created a horror category. I um, mean, unless you saying, want
0: to help me make a push for Birdemic Three, uh, yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I can help you with that. Okay, <laughs> sounds like a solo <laughs> effort. Well,
1: um, but I think I think that's everything for this week. Um, well, that's look.
0: everything everywhere, all categories at once. Uh.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, except it's not all categories because we have six episodes left after this
0: the show <laughs> uh, we committed uh, to the long haul i like this uh one a week uh structure though
1: yeah it's working pretty well we'll, we'll get through them here so i will talk a little bit about what to look forward to next week um on the next installment of the show um but let's talk about what do you what do you see in this week what do you got ahead of you that you'll be talking about maybe next week anything, no in, idea. anything in particular
0: i'm waiting for screeners to come through i'm looking for a uh, more reasonable show times to like three movies I need to see um okay so what are our categories next week let's start there
1: sure Uh, so next week we are looking at sort of uh, looks like style and sound is kind of what we're looking at next week so next week we've got screenplay score and I think that's yeah we're just talking about those two and then we'll talk about a couple of other things kind of around that realm but yeah so kind of a easy two categories there to go through, but I think some interesting stuff to talk about. Definitely a lot to talk about in the, in the realm of music, at least for me specifically, which is always a, a really important thing to me.
0: Hmm. Um, I, I guess, uh, I guess Tar would be important. Uh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I could get to Tar, I think that's what I would want to see, uh, the next week. Um, yeah, and it's unfortunate. I don't, I don't see anything else that I really need to get to. Um, in that category at least
1: uh. well I will say we so I, Bones and All I don't think is getting a wide release until uh, Thanksgiving week maybe so that's that's probably uh, not going to be there and that's one that I'm really looking at because of um, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross but they did two scores this year and we are seeing one of those this week which is Empire of Light they also did um, so that's could possibly be a contender there yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm looking forward
0: to Empire of Light, and I'm seeing that uh, in uh, happier news that uh, they're they're switching the TAR screening to uh, 11 a.m. throughout this week, so that that might be a possibility now. Uh, I'll be excited if I could just get that in and uh, Empire of Light. Um, But also, whatever they send to us, uh, I'm ready to start receiving things and kind of burst through uh, some of these uh, unknowns.
1: Yeah, stuff's starting to come in. It's going to be interesting when it starts coming in more and more. i looking forward to, to receiving some stuff that maybe I've missed this year. Um, I'm actually seeing quite a lot this week. I mean, I, I have Black Panther tomorrow. Not that I think that that's particularly going to come up in any categories sure um, maybe set
0: so. i mean maybe yeah music it could but
1: yeah we'll see um and then also uh glass onion like i said empire of light and then the menu is all this week so a busy week oh, stuff, <laughs> of stuff yeah it's a busy week um but it should be fun um stuff that i'm all looking forward to uh, Same. And, then, yeah. and, then, and then whatever else yeah whatever else comes through in terms of, of screeners and stuff we'll see i don't have anything super specific lined up i should take a look at my list real quick of, of what i am looking for before the end of the year i don't think there's too much i think a lot of it that's left is just waiting for stuff to become available to us so that we yeah, can same. catch it yeah um, yeah
0: trying to get to what we can and then a uh, waiting game for when things get mailed out to right. us uh, i feel pretty caught up on what all the streamers did um i i feel like we could add a comedy comedy category here i saw confess fletch something i haven't even logged yet but uh, uh if there was a comedy category that might, might be in it um
1: yeah i don't know what uh, i've seen that's for comedy really this year i don't know if i have anything that really really stands out for to comedy. me yeah even just looking at my list in comedy it's like number one is banshees of in sharon which is like i guess but i don't know if i would call that a comedy in the sense of of it being a genre movie like that but yeah looking i at thought this, weird
0: like, was just fine but i might i might include it there <laughs> so
1: yeah looking at my list it's like i don't really have anything that i would say is comedy magic spot is here too but it's also like i wouldn't call that like a capital c comedy like any anything else um,
0: yeah no bo burnham specials this year so
1: much to steven's appreciation
0: yeah (laughs) shout out to steven um i'm sure we'll have a very civil conversation about oh sure in a sharing um where we don't lose any friends and no longer talk to them
1: i guess we'll find out yeah maybe we'll replay the events of the movie in our in our in the spoiling things episode Um, well
0: thanks so much Vaughn. i'm looking forward to it
1: yeah, great conversation this week. Uh, fun stuff to talk about, and we'll have lots of fun stuff to talk about next week. Um, anything else before we sign off here, Calvin?
0: No, that's uh, that's good for me. Um, do we have a sign-off? Do we have like a, a really cool slogan?
1: No, I don't think we have anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have anything cool. I wrote a little intro for how I start the show, and I have no idea how to end it. I don't know how to end shows.
0: <laughs> that was a... Uh... Critically considered uh, uh, ending.
1: Perfect. Nailed it. Uh, see you guys next week. <laughs>